Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. Today, I have a very fun friend from back in the days of college joining me on the podcast. Her name is Amanda Radke, and you know, when I was trying to think about topics to talk about for this podcast or what I felt like would be beneficial to my listeners, I really started thinking about the word sustainable. When I look at other flower farmers, every single one of them, their Instagram bio says sustainable, sustainable. And I just want to dig a little bit deeper into what that actually means. And I called in one of my friends who happens to be a motivational speaker. I'll let her give her whole bio at the end and her credentials and everything. But this is really up her wheelhouse. So I wanted to call in an expert. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And this is a topic that definitely gets me fired up. So I'm excited to maybe dispel some myths and misconceptions and and really maybe shed some light on what real production practices are that people have been doing for generations. It's, it's not a trendy new thing because it's been something we've done forever. Yeah, when I think of the word sustainable, I think, well, of course I'm trying to be sustainable. I want to have a business in one year, five years, 20 years. So every single decision I make, I ask, is this sustainable? Can I keep this up? Can my ground continue to kick out this number of flowers? Do I need to feed it with compost? What nutrients do I need? And so I'm a little bit confused. And if anyone's listening to this, I'm not trying to attack anyone personally. We're literally just trying to dispel the myths because I think it really confuses the customers. I think it confuses just everyone. And, I, and I'm wondering, should I, should I put sustainable in my bio so that people want to buy from me? Well, I, no. I mean, I guess if I'm not around in five years, clearly I wasn't sustainable. So I think that'll <laughs> speak for itself. I don't know. So what, what are your thoughts on that, Amanda? Yeah. Well, it's funny you point you say that if I'm around in five years, I can prove if I'm sustainable. Um, that is a big part of sustainability of what it really should mean is, is a farmer or rancher, someone like you who's trying to grow flowers and sell them and have a business, are they profitable? And if they're not, they're not sustainable. They're not going to exist. And so land stewardship or environmental stewardship and and profitability go hand in hand. It doesn't make sense to shortcut and deplete your soil health in order to grow more flowers this year because you're gonna have a worse time in the subsequent years. And I think it's really important for people to understand where this all starts from. This isn't just an organic buzzword that came out of nowhere that feels good and sounds good. This starts from top corporations, big corporations who are greenwashing the general public. And they're trying to offset their own emissions on the backs of farmers and ranchers. And so what they're doing is trying to sell carbon credits to the farmers. And the farmers will get paid for what they're already doing which is sequestering the soil and taking care of the soil health and managing the water and the natural resources. But it doesn't actually make these corporations more green. (laughs) They're still doing what they're going to do. And so I get really fired up because to me, um, it really is a manipulation of human emotions and trying to make us feel good when actually it's it's not really doing anything. And I'm, I'm not saying the farmers that are saying they're sustainable aren't. I'm just saying from the top down, it has a bigger meaning than what we're seeing as a trending buzzword on Instagram. Yeah, I completely agree because 
you know, like you said, it, of course, sustainability has to mean a number of things. And like you said, and I don't do this, but if every year I just sprayed off with Roundup at the end of the year and in my garden and, you know, didn't put new nutrients back in it, like, yep, in five years, I wouldn't have any flowers. So no, of course, I'm not going to grow that way. But just to say, oh, well, I grow without pesticides or chemicals or anything like that. But what does that mean? You can say organically grown, without being certified organic. And organic is a whole other word that we can get into. But (laughs) I don't think it means what the general public thinks it means. And so Amanda lives in the middle of South Dakota. I'm not going to say the middle of nowhere because I have so many (laughs) friends and family there and it is a little slice of heaven. So I'm not saying middle of nowhere, but a very different location than I am. I am on a farm in central Minnesota and ultimately in any 10 mile direction, I have a Sam's Club and a Costco and a Walmart and... I mean, just a huge population right outside of the suburbs and a lot of people that are many generations removed from the farm. And that is who my the majority of my listeners are. And so I think they're actually going to be really excited to hear everything that you have to say. And like I said, to say organically grown, well, that doesn't mean you're organic or you can say a lot of things without having to really back it up. And what does that even mean? And I think our marketing, what did you say? Greenwash instead of brainwash? I love that word. Or what did oh, you say? Greenwash. Greenwash. Yeah. Greenwash. Greenwash. And yep. I'm, I'm like, I love that word. So tell me a little bit more about that and just kind of these terms in general and just what questions should people ask themselves or what does this really mean or what value is it adding or is it just a marketing word? Yeah. You know, if, if someone goes to the grocery store and they're wanting to just buy beef as an example, we're both cowgirls. We love cattle. And, and so beef is, is definitely my wheelhouse, but just beef as an example, you can go down in the meat case aisle and there are so many claims and so many labels from organic to natural, to grass fed, to yeah, sustainable, carbon neutral, all these buzzwords. And Yeah, there might be some certifications, there might be some steps that that person had to get to be able to put that stamp on that label. Um, But at the end of the day, what I think it causes is just a mass amount of confusion and also a mass amount of guilt. Because if I am, as a mom, think, well, the best is organic and sustainable, and if I can't afford that, all of a sudden I'm letting my kids down. I feel this disappointment in myself. And so I I really believe whether it's beef or flowers or whatever you're trying to support or purchase, buy what you love and you can afford and skip the jargon and, and just honestly, you know, from a, uh, your perspective of your business, you have an amazing story of something that you've grown from scratch. And I think that's a story enough. You don't have to add a marketing sticker and slap it on to be better or to, to stand out in the marketplace. And, and isn't that really what it's all about? Like if I live so far from you and yet I see when you post like, Oh, come pick up the flowers and they're in the cute jar. I'm like, I wish I could just drive over there because I know it's you and your daughters and you're digging in the dirt and you're growing the flowers and you're putting together something that you're proud of. And that's what I want to be a part of. To me, I, I guess, and maybe that's storytelling or marketing too, but to me at the end of the day, it's just get to know the family and ask questions and don't get caught up in the jargon because a lot of it really is, is marketing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I could say locally grown, but you guys know it's locally grown. You guys see me adding the compost from my chicken poop from my, you know, to my garden. <laughs> you see me making those amendments. I am going to do a whole episode on 
just soil testing in general for your garden and how to do that, but how to do it reliably. I mean, there are times that I'm like, okay, so they're they're more green than me, supposedly based on their marketing, but then these huge semi trucks bring in their compost and I don't know, like what what's the carbon footprint on that? And just there's so many things that it, it sounds so good, but then you wonder, okay, well, this is confusing or I don't know. I also think that there's just so much confusion. I kind of don't know what the general public wants or what the end consumer wants when it comes to a lot of things. I used to get, I wouldn't say arguments, but in my younger days, and I didn't really know how to respond, (laughs) but people would say, well, you know, people are just putting antibiotics in their cows. And I'm like, well, what do you want? You want them to die of mastitis? What do you want? And they just stare at me. And I'm like, well, that's not very nice. And they're like, well, I don't want antibiotics in my milk. I'm like, there is no antibiotics in your milk. What are you talking about? But you want us just to let them die? Like, what if you had an infection? What if you had mastitis? It hurts. Like, right. I And I was going to say, I think your practicality on this subject comes from your beef cattle background because the beef industry is beat up a lot for a lot of different things. It's an easy target, easy punching bag, especially amongst the media and politicians, whether it's the cow fart thing or the antibiotics or, you know, whatever it is, it seems like beef is just number one getting hit on. And, but you've raised cattle, you've calved out cows, you've milked out cows, you've helped baby calves get started, you've butchered them and had them in your freezer and ate them as your family. You understand that circle of life and what it really takes to produce something. And so it's very hard to fall into that emotional marketing schemes that are out there because you're just living it and it's just life and you're you're doing what you have to do to get the job done. And I think you're applying that philosophy to your flowers too. Like you are doing what you need to do to take care of your soil, produce a crop, those flowers that you can deliver to customers and and make people happy. And here's a good example of marketing. I was at the Iowa Cattlemen's Association meeting speaking. It was a few years ago and they were very edgy and they invited a fake meat company investor. So a guy from Silicon Valley who had purchased all these different plant-based and even some pea dish lab based companies he'd invested in them and they had him come speak just to you know share his insights on where he thought the meat industry was going now i challenge your listeners go to impossible foods or beyond meat their websites and see what these people say they say we don't want to just compete we want to eliminate the meat industry and replace it with our products which is fine if you want to eat them but to me okay that there's they're declaring that we're we're at war you know and um They also make a lot of grand marketing claims. We're more sustainable. We're healthier. We're environmentally friendly. Like we're superior to beef. And so right before I got on stage, I asked him in his Q&A session, I said, how do you justify making all of these grand claims about the environment when we know you're comparing apples to oranges and you're not even like, where do these numbers come from? And he point blank told me, Amanda, I have to get a return on my investment And we're going to tell the consumers what they want to hear, whether we can justify it or not. It was like a, whoa, because, you know, I have integrity. I'm not going to tell a lie to sell a product and I'm not going to bash somebody else to sell what I raise. I think my product can stand on its own merits and, you know, beef tastes great and I'm proud of it. And I don't need to pick on anybody else to sell it. And so to me, that was 
an eye-opening experience that yes, there are companies in every industry, whether you're talking about buying a cleaner laundry detergent or, you know, soaps for your kids or whatever it might be. There are people that are going to greenwash you and they are going to slap a label on it to get a return on their investment, period. And so it's really important you do your homework and you you think critically about some of these things. And before you pay an extra dollar for a product just because it makes you feel good, ask if it's really delivering what they are promising. Yeah. And I think, you know, another big part of my experience, you know, obviously growing up on a beef farm gets me heated, gets me, you know, when we talk about those things and especially when it's a lot easier and I don't take this the wrong way when I say you have it easy, because trust me, you are fighting the fight and (laughs) I respect that. But it's a lot easier to speak to an audience that already has a good baseline. And so then when the majority of my customers or my friends or, you know, they're asking me about grass fed beef versus this, and it's like, wow, okay, this is this is a lot more challenging than when I grew up in South Dakota and everyone agreed <laughs> with me. And I think that right. that is so important to have a circle of friends or get to know people that don't agree with you. And you need to learn how to have a tough conversation. Because if you just talk to people that agree with you, you, you don't really learn. And so, and I'm not saying that you and I don't agree, but the point is, you know, just doing your research. And I think the other big basis of why I feel the need for transparency and information is being a family practice nurse practitioner. I see patients get taken advantage of all of the time. And it is so frustrating to me. In general, you know, there's chiropractors versus, you know, traditional medicine or you know, just that type of battle line. It's like, no, I, I have some chiropractor friends that are fantastic. To me, what I tell my patient is anytime someone gets a commission off of something, ask yourself why. And so if there is someone, whether it's a private practice or I, I use chiropractor, but I use that term loosely. I just, I'm using that in general because usually they own their own practice. But if they're recommending that you need a special vitamin or a special med or, oh my gosh, these IV hydration places that are popping up everywhere. If they're getting a commission, if that's how they make their money and they're the only ones that are telling you you need it and people who don't make money off of that are telling you you don't need that. There's no such thing as a fat boosting IV hydration for $200 a week. <laughs> they are preying on desperate moms who are trying to get back to their pre-pregnancy weight. That's what's happening and you are vulnerable and that's what they're doing. Or, you know, well you need, you know, 8,000 units of vitamin C. Okay, well tell me more because we know what 100%, we know what your daily value is. We know what happens if you don't get enough of vitamin C, vitamin D, you get you get scurvy, you get rickets. We know what happens when you don't get enough, but there really are no studies on what happens if you get too much over the long term. Mm-hmm. And I really think 20, 30 years from now, that's going to start showing up because never before have we had 8,000% daily value of something in our body. What is 100%? Well, those studies came by how much we need. And are you just peeing it out? Do you just have really expensive urine? Do you just, you know, and so those marketing labels are everywhere. They're in every industry. And, you know, I'm just trying to decide what do my customers think that this means and should I do a better job of sharing my practices or, you know, I'm honestly, I'm just going to keep doing with it, whatever the hell I'm doing because it's working and I'm <laughs> selling flowers and I'm not really worried. But I just, yeah. I don't want people to think that I have an inferior product because I'm not greenwashing and throwing these labels out there that, well, no, I do that too, but that's not just who I am. My product is what it is. I don't know. 
No, I get that. We sell beef locally and, and we get all kinds of questions. And, and I've had people not buy from us for that reason, because yes, we do antibiotics when our cattle are sick. We're not going to let them suffer. And yes, we do feed them grain. And honestly, I think the flavor is better with a grain fed at the end. It adds to that marbling profile. It's, it's just a different flavor than grass fed beef. And, you know, all these different things that maybe don't match up with someone's values or what they're shopping for. And so I kind of walk a delicate balance of I'm not going to bash the grass-fed farmer or the person that's all natural. Like if they have a niche and they have a customer base that wants to pay for that, like more power to you. I believe in capitalism and I believe that, you know, no two farms are going to look alike. And my sister grows flowers over here in, in Mitchell and she probably does it way different than you do just based on the setup she has and the land she's working with and the weather and whatever. And so there, there really is no two farms look alike unless you're, you know, talking about the mega farms that all do it the same because they can control all of the variables. And so I guess it's, it's really a balance between shopping your values, but like you said, not falling prey to marketing schemes that, you know, take advantage of you and make you pay more for something that you're really not getting. Yeah. And I think that the biggest, there's a lot of big frustrations for me, but one of the bigger frustrations is, okay. So for example, grass fed to me, if you see, a label of grass-fed beef and then the general person sees you know something that's not oh that one never got a bite of grass in its entire life that is so sad that doesn't mean I'm gonna let you talk on that but do you get what I'm trying to say here that yeah it, that doesn't mean that we've never fed that one grass they actually a ton of their diet is grass yep. a ton of their right. diet is grass it's just not exclusively grass fed because you want a well-rounded product at the end of the day with the proper nutrients same thing with right. no antibiotics well there's no antibiotics in your meat there's a withdrawal period there's testing on the meat every single sale barn in the country you run them through and they test them for right illness they take their temperature like there is no sick animal going to the butcher Right, right. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that grass-fed misconception, too, is, um, oh, oh, so they, they were on pasture their whole lives. They got to roam free, and the grain-fed ones didn't. They were confined. And it's really funny because I've debunked that a lot. And what I tell people is, like, do you see much grass growing in South Dakota or Minnesota right now? No, you do not. Those cattle are in a pen right now eating a hay bale that was cut in the summertime. You know, they are not grazing on this peaceful pasture that makes a picturesque, you know, scene for marketing. Like, and and neither are my, my cattle. They are in a pen right now. They would die right now. Um, we're in a blizzard right now. It's, uh, it's just by default, they're getting fed hay also that we cut in the summer months and put up and saved for winter. And so I have started telling people just to explain like, oh, our, our beef is is grass-fed grain finished because it just seems to clarify what their diets are. But even that feels like I'm falling into the the marketing thing of, well, yeah, you know, my cows get grass too. It's really exciting. <laughs> but, but it would cost a lot of money just to feed all corn all, all the time to cows too. So <laughs> Well, that's exactly it. Like we said, sustainable. And it kind of goes along with the way of completely trashing your soil to get good flowers this year. Yep, it's going to hurt you down the long run. You're not just feeding your cows corn you know, there's a lot of things that go into what a good steak looks like. You've got your grading and your there's a lot of standards in which it is grown and you get paid more 
if the quality is better. And that's with everything. That's with your flowers. That's with your corn. That's with your beef. That's with everything. Quality gets paid better in, in general. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, right. Right. In theory. In theory. It doesn't feel like I'm getting paid much as a cowgirl <laughs> these days, but you know, don't give up your dreams. <laughs> but uh, if I could do a shameless plug, if, if this is really of interest to people, that soil health and regenerative egg and sustainability, what, what that tells me is people really care about their natural resources. They care about planetary health. They care about, are we going to have something for our kids and grandkids to enjoy? And I think that's fair. I, I care about those things too. I wrote a children's book several years ago titled The Soil Quilt. And it's with Minnesota illustrator Michelle Weber. And The Soil Quilt talks about the five principles of soil health. So ways that we can take care of our dirt, our soil, whether you have a backyard garden that you're trying to grow carrots and potatoes for your kids, or you are growing, you know, corn and soybeans in the backyard or, you know, in your fields, or you have cattle in the backyard. And so those five principles, number one is soil cover. So I imagine you do this, but, you know, keeping plant residues on the soil, you know, to reduce erosion and start building that soil health, having that limited disturbance. So, you know, minimizing, you know, how much you're tilling just to build up your soil aggregates, your pore spaces, um, your organic matter diversity. You have this in your garden with all your different variety of flowers, but trying to mimic nature by like an example, using cool and warm season grasses and three or more crops or cover crops in a rotation. So like in the cattle industry, we will plant cover crops, which is like turnips and radishes and alfalfa seed in between corn rows. And so after we harvest the corn, those cattle then go out onto the field and graze these, they'll eat a big old turnip and and pick it up out of the dirt and eat it. And what they're doing is that's adding nutrients to the soil and they're they're fertilizing the soil as they're grazing. So it's really win-win. Living roots, so keeping plants growing throughout the year to feed the soil, that's kind of tricky in the middle of the winter, but it's a good way to add to that soil health. And then finally, the big piece is for me is integrating livestock because so often we hear that animals don't belong on the landscape, that we would have a healthier planet without livestock but like i said they can they aerate the soil with their hooves they fertilize it they improve that nutrient cycling on the land they also protect wildlife habitat and so just by default in the summer months i can see my cows out grazing but there's also going to be bees and and butterflies and fox and deer and rabbit and rabbits and mice and all these other animals that are living and coexisting in that ecosystem. So that that book, The Soil Health, you can find it at amandaradke.com. Like I said, shameless plug. But it might help have some conversations about what it does mean to take care of the land and how farmers and ranchers kind of had to learn the hard way during the dirty 30s um, when we had that major drought and food shortages and how things have shifted over time. And I think that's why farmers, just long story short, I think that's why farmers are are kind of hesitant to start greenwashing and using these buzzwords because, frankly, this is stuff we've done since grandpa and great grandpa's time. And so it's it's not new to us, even though it feels new because it's trending on social media. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a difference between tilling or working up the soil initially to create a new bed somewhere and, you know, just trying to stir in some of the compost to the topsoil. And, you know, and people Mm -hmm. just get confused with what that means, you know, and it's like, I just use the word till, but now all of a sudden I'm like, well, I'm not really tilling it. I'm just stirring it in the top. (laughs) But now I'm now I'm getting hate for being not no till. And I, I don't I'm not even I'm not tilling it. 
<laughs> I don't know. And, right. and I try really hard you know, to grow. I did a whole episode that'll come out soon on um, just growing in small spaces. And one of the things that I do is I plant my tulips and then I dig them up in this or, you know, I pull them up in the spring and then where they were, something else goes there. And it's like, there's a constant, you know, rotational crops, even in the same season. But again, do I say, you know, rotational grazing? Like, I, I don't, Quite frankly, I don't think my customers <laughs> give a crap. Like they just want their flowers. But trust me, I'm I'm doing it just because I'm not talking about it or marketing it or using that as my main market. That's not why people buy flowers from me. I I, I, I haven't quite figured out why people buy flowers from me. I think, well, I'll say it. I think initially they feel sorry for me because my husband died, but then they keep Aww. buying, but they keep buying flowers for a reason. So they wouldn't keep coming back if it was just because they felt right. sorry for me. <laughs> and he's up there like laughing, that. like, use it. No, that's uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I like that you can laugh about it. Obviously, people want to see you happy. You have quite a story, Liz, like you have overcome so much in your life and gone through some great hardship, but you are inspirational to other people because it's like everybody goes through hard things and like your ability to pivot and rise up and create something that's beautiful and meaningful that you can do with your daughters. Like that is the story. Like you don't need to fancy it up with anything else other than you're a family and and you're just trying to to get back to your roots in agriculture and you're trying to honor your husband with this family farm that had been in his family forever and agriculture is going to look different than it did a hundred years ago and your ability to pivot and serve people with something that's beautiful that can lift people's spirits and even I love the nursing home thing that you have all these flowers going into these nursing homes especially at a time when with COVID everybody was kind of locked down and shut down and these people need extra love so I think it's amazing. I just wanted to congratulate you on what you're doing because all the rest of it just feels inauthentic to me. Like you you have a story. You don't need to do anything else in my mind. Well, thank you, Amanda. You know, I'm really proud of honestly, when I started looking around it, okay, who do I want on my podcast? And you were one of the first on my list because A, you're very informative. First of all, you have to know what you're talking about. Otherwise, why would I interview you? But also you're very well-spoken and professional. And I was really excited about the fact of bringing your message to a new audience. I hope that my audience can learn a lot from you because I, I really think at the end of the day, I mean, whether you say politically, you know, left, right, rural, urban, we all kind of want the same thing at the end of the day, for the most part, the middle 90% does the 5% on the way this side, the 5% on the way this side. I, I don't know about that. But you know, the middle 90% of everything, I think we all just want the same thing. We're just a little bit confused and so far removed. And we don't know how it worked. I mean, I came from being nursing used to be 10 years ago was like the most trusted profession along with teachers. And now it's like everything I do, I just have to justify it, which is, if I'm being honest, part of the reason I'm cutting back to one day a week as a nurse practitioner and growing (laughs) flowers because people seem to love that a lot more. And again, more time with my children and a business that they can hopefully sustain in 30 years. And (laughs) you know what I would tell your listeners, because I agree, we all want the same thing. We all want to be able to, you know, go to the grocery store or your local farmer stand or whatever, feed our families on a budget, not use all of our disposable income on our food so that we can do other things like go to the park or pool or on vacation or upgrade or whatever it is you want to do. And food is, is more expensive now than ever before. And so people are feeling the pinch. And then like you mentioned, the way left and the way right, when you're looking at media articles, 
they get paid for clicks and sensationalism and to fear monger. And I find that too. I would get more clicks on my blog posts if I really went all in to freak people out. It would work every single time. And yet I can't do that because I feel a responsibility to alleviate concerns and to get people to feel confident in their food supply and in farmers and ranchers. But that's not going to go viral on social media. It just isn't. And so even if you agree, if you're like ultra conservative and you believe with this media pundit, everything they have to say, remind yourself, man, they do get paid by their advertisers if they really work people up. So take a step back, take a deep breath, use your critical thinking and just realize it's another day of outrage culture where we're supposed to be upset about something new and just take a step back, go buy it, go buy some flowers, put them on your dining room table and you'll feel better. Buy some and flowers I, and eat a steak, buy some flowers and yeah, eat a steak. Right. I don't Everything's better. <laughs> things better. We, we just solved <laughs> well, the world's I, problems. Yeah, right. Steak and flowers. You're good. You're good. Yeah. That's our prescription. Yeah. I, and I would say too, in the last couple of years with food being so expensive, I started watching these like food prepper YouTube channels and they were all gardening and canning all their stuff. And so my sister Courtney and I were like, we're going all in. We're growing all our food. Well, I must say I've already given up. I'm the beef farmer. I'm not going to be growing my vegetables because I suck at it. So my uh, challenge to every listener is try planting some stuff this summer um, in spring. Like even if it's a tomato plant in a pot on your patio, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Harder than it <laughs> yes. Like I got like four green beans last summer and I was like, what is the point? I've tried so hard. And and that's the thing. I, it's one for I each think, kid and none for you yes, and your right? husband. <laughs> yep. I was like, Corny, we ain't can enough then because we're going to starve to death because I got like two carrots out here. Like we're in trouble, but good thing I have steak. But uh, that that is the thing though. When you do that, you grow an appreciation of your food supply. You feel that appreciation for the farmers and ranchers that are doing the work and doing it well and with excellence. And also it's just really therapeutic to get your hands in the soil and try something, even if you fail. And so that would be my challenge to your listeners is like pick something, whether it's a flower or, or a fruit or vegetable and go, go grow it this summer and see what your family learns. So in addition to the podcast, I actually am transcribing every single episode into written blog form onto the website. And so oh. you'll be able to find this at my website, sunnymarymeadow.com. There'll be a link to this episode. And, you know, I'll have a link to Amanda's book, Amanda's website, everywhere you can find her on social media. But why don't you, in case people don't want to go through that work of finding it, Amanda, can you just tell us how to get a hold of you? And I also really encourage if anyone anywhere, but especially, you know, here in central Minnesota, then Amanda can come stay with me if she's coming to speak. But if you really, <laughs> you know, want to bring in a speaker that's going to be informative and, you know, engaging to your audience, I really encourage you to look into her because if you're liking what you're hearing or if you're learning something new, I would say that if you're learning something new from this, that's the whole point of the best speakers. Yes, they get you fired up about something, but learn and inform. Because like I said, if you keep having the same people in over and over again, that are just sharing the message that your audience wants to hear, we don't really learn from that. So I think it's important to just continue to get different perspectives. So go ahead, Amanda. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here today. And uh, folks can find me on um, Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, just search my name and then also amandaradke.com. And I do have eight children's books now that teach kids about where their food comes from on a wide variety of topics. So I would encourage folks if they're thinking of Easter baskets or summer reading program or whatever for their kids, it's a really fun way to 
learn about agriculture in cute little stories with pretty pictures. Wonderful. And I will give another little plug in. Her illustrator is actually married to my cousin. And when I say cousin, (laughs) he grew up a mile down the road, practically brother. So Michelle Weber. So I just have to give her a little shout out too for the illustrator of your children's books as well. She's pretty amazing. And it's a small world, isn't it? It's a small world. It's a small world. It's a small world. (laughs) And you lived with my cousin in college. Yes. Well, I lived with your sister for a semester. I lived with your sister. <laughs> so and your other sister was in my sister's wedding with me anyway anyway oh, crazy <laughs> all right well thanks so much for coming on amanda and p.s we recorded this at 6 a.m because that's when we do things when you have kids <laughs> mom so, life man mom life mom life all right Bacon flowers <laughs> all right thank you thanks for listening thank you thanks for listening to the sunny mary meadow podcast i'm your host liz If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at SunnyMaryMeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at SunnyMaryMeadow.com.